everybody, you're listening to Finding Japan, episode 13, and there's a Tokyo Calling in my suit. How's it going? This is Christopher. Welcome to Finding Japan.、Uh, today's episode is a crossover episode, the first ever Finding Japan Tokyo Calling crossover.、Uh, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to meet up with Scott Lockman from Tokyo Calling, and we、uh, proceeded to sit down to a long cup of coffee and some cake and do sort of an impromptu interview. So, Uh, I think I'm just gonna cut around the crap right now and just, I guess, dive right into the interview. So, without any further ado,、uh, here we go with the clips. Well, in this first segment, Scott talks a little bit about his new approach to writing. And we also talked a little bit about how it was kind of strange that I had known、uh, about his writing already, and this was the first time we had actually met. <laughs> Something about you know, the quiet time and the mind just coming alert. Did you hear it all in doing creative type work or writing? For some people, that solitude is great. Many writers say that's the, the best time of day. And you, you've been getting into to writing recently, right? Trying to, yeah, yeah. Well, I have to teach composition. So you're keeping a diary every day? Yeah, yeah. Are you writing much? Is it a couple sentences, or short essays every day? You've done your research. <laughs> yeah,、um, that's the strange thing. You know, like, this is about writing, just kind of meta talk. You know, podcasting. My, my sort of shtick is just, well, what is it? Stream of consciousness or just talking. Sometimes I try to plan an outline, but I, I, I put probably maybe too much of myself out there or maybe even too transparent. I don't, don't even know, but I kind of forget it after the fact. And then just you're asking me questions that you've gotten through listening as I did earlier before. You know, I listened to an episode. But isn't that a little unsettling? In a way, I'm not saying not in a bad way. It's, it's not a, a normal type of. Discourse with people. Right. It's a, it's a different paradigm of communication between individuals or groups of individuals. We've, we've reached levels of familiarity that are sort of out of sync with the natural time,、right. the way relationships develop. So I just sort of thrown that, like, yeah, this, this personal thing. I, I'm writing. How did you know that? Duh. Yeah, yeah. Told all 50 people to listen to the show. But、uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm trying. The book that I'm reading, Writer Teaches Writing, says that.、Uh, A writing teacher who's not a writer is not a writing teacher. Not a writing book.、Well, is a writing teacher, but maybe not serving the students as well as possible. As a name, a language teacher who only speaks one language, maybe <laughs> I'm equally a fraud there. But I want to get it right here. I wanted to be a writer for a long time. I've kept journals, but this guy has some very practical information and steps. And one is his, his approach to keeping a journal or a diary. He calls it a day book. And I've just I've got one in my bag somewhere I could dig out. I'm writing everything in there. When I get a few moments, I write. And I'm starting. I'm just a, an infant with this now, but I'm finding that.、Uh, Once you get going, it starts. There's a moment where things click and the words just kind of come onto the paper. And do you, you write? I had to pass, you know, but I write. I write music, and I think it's the same way. I, I imagine any creative endeavor, and I've heard people who talk about this much better than than I can. 
with, with experience describe it and I'm just starting to get little glimpses of that where like ideas come and it works and maybe it's not so good going back the next day reading it but still it's a very exciting process of I'm uh, experiencing that it is really really good so you're developing narratives that you think might be useful for podcasting too or are you, are you just developing ideas that you think might in the future become something bigger than what it is right now or are you probably the most of the lead that goes on paper is just sort of like managing my work that's ahead of me. I'm trying to organize my teaching and the classes I have to do. So it's really been a great organizational type of thing because I've got four different syllabi I'm trying to put together. I'm just making notes here and then I can come back to it. So it's capturing thoughts that ordinarily would, would disappear. And I've tried journaling on the computer before, but it's too hard to go back to. And it may not make sense because you think paper is more difficult to go back to because it's sitting analog and stuff, but somehow rereading a text file is not, not yeah. very rewarding. So there's that, but then also maybe the first story that came was a couple of weeks ago. I was sitting on a veranda at a coffee shop and I saw a person who reminded me of a former professor, a European guy talking to a Japanese guy and he was very loud and animated, but just because this visual image reminded me of somebody I got a little story in my head and wrote three or four pages it's just oh, that's excellent. just a germ of an idea and I mean I thought well I can't and the idea would be eventually maybe from there I think I could write short pieces of fiction and put it out as a podcast or even publish it on the web if it's, if it's worthwhile and then again anybody can publish now can't we <laughs> text or audio or video so that's kind of where it's going In this next piece, we talk a little bit about um, formats of podcasting and how Tokyo Calling got started. It was interesting to hear Scott speak about Tokyo Calling since I had listened pretty much since the beginning. It was interesting to hear Scott's stories about the evolution of Tokyo Calling now that he is in the 80s in terms of actual episodes. Do you see the, the future of Tokyo Calling? I mean, let me back up. In, in my mind, I think there's maybe three or four classifications, types of audio podcasts. Okay. You have, I think, I'm going to take the, the few that I listened to. You have Hero from Japan, where Rich is traveling through life, and he's just putting stuff out there that he thinks people will be interested in. The people who are listening to that show are probably listening more about, about curiosity for what's life like. Mm, okay. You have shows like Joe Frank, where it's sort of like an a la carte, but it's put together and produced really well, so there's right. a topic for that show. Right, right. And you can, he may have pulled in material that was recorded over a three-month span, and when right. it was finally ready, that show's done. Sort of like producing a nature documentary. And then you have shows that attempt to teach people things, like, where there may be sections, every you know, three sections per show, and every, every show it's the same three sections, but right, right. the content of those sections are different. Teach like an instructional? What do you mean teaching? Um, yeah, like or you mean just conveying information. It could be a news or information current events or, or whatever. Here's here's the week in New York. Try and think like. At, Adam Curry's show even is sort of the same form. I haven't listened to it for about a year and a half yet. His show is the same form. He had plugs, he had what's going on, then he had some sort of technology hit, and then it was the same thing. He didn't really talk much about the life of Adam Curry other than, I'm going here, I'm going there. I'm flying around the world all the time. 
So what do you see? So like, like, an, like an entertainment yeah. type of model or entertainment or, or information. And then what about a music show? Or music shows, but again, that would fall into the category of format to podcasts that are the same. I'm going to play some music that I think is cool. Every week, I'm going to play three songs. But with Tokyo, uh, what, what, what you're doing is, is like a, a chronicle of your experience, but also you're, you're putting out again in chronicle form your experience of going to the bank and getting money and impressions. What, what sort of role are you trying to? I haven't figured it out yet. That's why I'm, I was asking you the same question because I think there's a there's a level of maturity that you have when you start becoming like a creative writer or someone like Joel Frank where you find it you find what it is that you do really well and you go for it and I haven't found it yet I think Tokyo Calling works pretty well because you sort of put out a combination of your thoughts what you find interesting and then giving people a little peek of what's going on in Japan but I didn't know if that's been changing now that you're starting to write and think about um, thinking about developing content, written, audio, mental, Interesting question. and getting it, getting it on paper now. Are you seeing patterns emerge? Are you seeing different ways of pulling things together? Yeah, I think my original idea when I just I got into podcasting you know, was uh, October of '04. Adam Curry and Weiner were doing their first daily source morning coffee notes or the morning coffee notes I think was when they would talk to each other or whatever it was but uh, my idea was just to uh, to play I had, had the radio background and wanted to do something with it but to make a I guess that second model an informative show Tokyo calling information from Japan from the perspective of, of an English teacher and uh, that's what I aspired to but I didn't have the, the discipline to do research and put pieces together and um, it takes time the skill. it takes a lot of time and it takes a script and I had this sort of need for it to be a certain level of quality or perfection I can never obtain that so that was very discouraging and I, I think my tendency is to get easily discouraged and to, to quit before uh, having the chance to succeed but then along the way I, I started just recording on my way um, I call them soundscapes just talking with a microphone on the train or walking in the park or something and uh, one that was easier to do sometimes so there was a lot of production involved in some of them but also uh, that seemed to really click with audience listeners for some reason got a lot of uh, thoughtful feedback to that just sort of out of convenience or necessity, I made it more about me than about Tokyo life and life in Japan. And, uh... Next, I asked Scott a little bit about why people listen to Tokyo Calling. In his comments, he was pretty modest, but I really think that Tokyo Calling has something different to offer. We tried to dig into that topic just a little bit, and I think we've only touched the top. I think the larger question really is, though, why do people listen to podcasts that don't have a particular theme in general, or that seem to focus on a particular person. I, I think one thing, as I've said it before, is just the timing that I got in. I was in at the beginning and wound up on that first directory that Adam Curry put together, and then when iTunes um, went online with podcasting, I would, it was there. I hit Tokyo Calling interchangeable, but it was on the, the first level of directory there, and it was also featured on the front page a few times. And also, I think 
if I do say so myself, I think it's a, a good name. It's a, it's a very good brand potential. I don't think that potential has ever been fulfilled as it could be, but just the name Tokyo Color, I think if you had any interest in Japan or punk rock with The Clash or whatever, or even old te telephony, you know, international long distance calls. What is it? I'll, I'll check it out. You know, Tokyo Calling. Who's not interested in Tokyo in some way? You know, there, there, it's a, like an enigma to Sort of like the with. umbrella over the city in podcasting world. <laughs> yeah, well, not, not Tokyo Calling itself, but just the, the topic of Tokyo, I think, is, is interesting to, to, to many people. Just because, I don't know why, but... but I think if someone just looked at the brand itself hmm. and said, who do I think that is? It, would be, it could be anything. And it could have been solved. Yeah, you mean, you mean the name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that but then they come, and I don't know how many people come and never come back, or just listen for five minutes and turn away. The, the recurring theme in the comments that come back is that people are eager to hear one person telling his or her story, because it's so rare in comparison to commercial media and what's out there. And then, as you mentioned, probably the majority of the podcasts are in that second camp, where they're trying to fit into a pre-existing genre, or make it like a show with segments features, which is what I tried to do as well, because we think we would like to emulate what we've heard. Mm. So, maybe this, that's a, I think Rich Pav, as you say, has sort of done that even more so, which is kind of putting out there. I, you mentioned that he, you think that he is thinking about what is interesting for listeners. Maybe so, but I even get more of the sense that he's just doing whatever he wants and he doesn't really care at some point. I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, just sort of, well, this the, is me and this is what I want to say. The reason why I said that is because there he does do some level of editing and selection. Because mm. he'll record a podcast or something and say, I didn't like it, so I put it in the chum bucket. Mm. It's just the chum bucket. The chum bucket. <laughs> And uh, but some of the podcasts will go through and they'll edit and they'll put in like a song. Mm. So there is some discretion there. But at the same time, you're right. I, I appreciate. I think I caught a video of him playing frisbee mm. with one of those kids. Just 30 seconds of frisbee yeah. via the mouth can. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I, I think trademark. Mouth. Yeah, trademark. <laughs> I, I think it's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting time to be self-publishing. I'm interested to see what people do with it. At this point, it occurred to me that one of the things we really hadn't talked about as podcasters was privacy, personal privacy. In this short segment, we both talk about our different approaches to keeping our public lives and our private lives separate or not. Do you feel uh, the need to keep a, like a firewall between your professional work and what you put out on the, on the yeah. podcast? Yeah. And there are, there are people I listen to who like, will not say anything about what they do. Or certainly I'll say what I do, but I won't mention, I won't use people's you know, last names. Right. Uh, probably not even the first names, I'll just say the company I work for. And in fact, I don't even mention the school I go to, with the exception of what's data, but I'm only there as an exchange student tell people what program I'm doing from the U.S., partly out of respect for wanting to speak frankly about the program and not give people the wrong impression. Um, but if people did their research and clicked through yeah, yeah. my profiles, they could figure it out. 
there with that. It's not hard. What about yourself? You're pretty open on, on yeah, what you do. Yeah, we can take this off. It's not, not even going. Um, if I had it all to, all to do over again, I would not have been so transparent with it. Um, but I've not mentioned the uh, the kids' names. Sometimes, you know, you can hear them talking to one another and say their names. Like early on, I, I used to say, you know, my station name where I lived and mention names of businesses nearby. So you know, the, the, the idea of there being, you know, a stalker or somebody with ill-intentioned wanting to to do to do damage, like I felt made myself hard to uh, visible. You know, like it would have been very easy to find exactly where I lived and stuff. But since we've moved, I've not, I think I've been better about that. I'm, the recorder's never on when I'm in the station. So like, there's that, I think, the ward that I live in. I so we could track that down. But you, know, you can't live your life in fear. You know, I, I just don't think I would be point. very interesting to stalk. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah, yeah, it's a lot. I think it'd be easier to stalk other people than me. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know what the weirdos. That's what, that's what makes them weird. Um, but, you know, being, being a family, family man. Yeah, kids, that, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of a lot thing. different. So I certainly don't put their images up. And your, your kids don't really have a, a choice their own say right now, too. And right, but I put, maybe when I, put, I put their voices on. Well, I know, but there's you're using your best judgment as a father yeah. and, and a family man to find where that line is. Yeah. And I think, you, I think you've done a great job. Thanks. It's also, it's also a bit of a gimmick, and some people really like it and respond whenever you get them singing. Night. I mean, my daughter's like pretty well aware of Tokyo Calling. She's sung the theme song, made up a theme song. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, she's taking an English program through something called Kumon. Are you familiar with Kumon? It's, a, it's a, like a juku for elementary school age kids, but it's not geared for getting into a, a program. It's just like basic skills. So she studies kanji and then also math, and she's also started taking English. So she has these little booklets, and she's also got a CD she listens to, but she reads the lines. One of the lines has, uh, one of the stories has popularity and famous in it. So she asked me in the bath the other night, Daddy, are you famous? <laughs> so, well, yeah, I am. About 500 people listen to the podcast. 500 people listen to you. So, yeah, I'm very famous. She said, wow, 500. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Daddy's That's cute. famous. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, so those, those little things happen. It's, it's a lot of fun. In this next little bit, Scott and I chatted a little bit about the future of social networking from both of our perspectives. Scott asked me the question of how many people are listening to podcasts and why? And from that, we sort of took in the direction of the future of social networking and the role of podcasting in that future. The last I heard anything of statistics, and I don't remember, was a keynote that Steve Jobs gave and they introduced podcasting to iPhone. talking about the number of podcasts in the growth. Uh, I have pretty much ignored any statistics of that. In other words, I, I, I look at it too, it's, it's shifting from broadcasting to clustering. And I think that like, I, I really appreciate what you do, what Terrence does, what, what Rich does. There's a, there's a few other people here too that I've started listening to. 
and to me that's an interesting group of people, interesting group of topics, content that, I, that I'm really into. I think. Well, well people, what I, I think what people are going to find moving together is that people will start to cluster based on shared interests mm -hmm. as opposed to shared locations. And podcasting is just one way to do that. RSS, getting your news by RSS or by topic is another way. Um, I think maybe the same thing with video in the future. But so because of that, I think how many people are listening to podcasts or how many people are getting their news via RSS or listening to these types of podcasts is a little deceiving. I think if people can get more information on the topics that they're interested in, then mission accomplished. And I know that's happening because podcasts exist and I haven't seen any statistics that say it's going down. So. And I guess for it to really happen, then, like RSS will almost have to disappear as a term. That will be the, the delivery, but the users won't know how they're getting it or realizing they have to click the link to subscribe to the RSS. And it's already happening without RSS, too. Look at MySpace. The, the reason why that site's so successful is because it allows people to connect regardless of where they're located. And it's more what they're interested in. You look at the groups of people on MySpace, they, they all share the same type of music, the same interests, the same hobbies. It's not necessarily that they all do the same And I'm sure, I, I don't know the K-Thai culture well enough to know, but I'm sure with Mixi and you know, all that stuff, uh, it's the same. I know even the friends that I have here in Japan, I know them because of, I'm interested in photography, mm. not because there's no other way I would have met them right, right. if it were not for that sort of social networking. So in, in a way, I guess what I'm getting at is podcasting to me is another form of social networking, a way to connect with people who have shared interests. I think social networking as a whole will expand. Podcasting being just one of those medi one of the mediums by which social networking takes place. Have to think about that. It's a medium of expression. But is the the individual podcasters thinking in terms of the social network? I think it's, they're like a node. Okay, they're a node. They serve as a node. Like, people who have that shared interest can use that person as a, as a group of people. It can be spokes on the node. And it takes, it takes sort of those... And they, they just naturally come together or coalesce because the, the technology makes it so, so easy and instant. And there are people who are, what's, what's truly interesting to me is you have people who are very inward, who, who wouldn't necessarily go out and seek out people with shared interests, but they'll gladly sit in the room and record something because they like to hear their own voice and, oh, I, I can put it out. And that, that's okay. That's safe. But then the interesting thing is you find these other people who are attracted to it and suddenly those people who were very inward are now becoming very outward. And I think that that is sort of the transforming power of 
podcast specifically, but also like RSS and self published. That's what happened to me. Excuse me. Mine? No, go ahead. And uh, same thing with me, too. I, I would never go out and socialize with people, but I would be in a band. Uh-huh. Because it gave me an excuse to jump up on stage and I fucking want which I would never want to do Well, that's about it for the interview. There was quite a bit more audio that I don't think was really all that useful or interesting. I've emailed Scott, and hopefully we will do this again sometime soon and plan it out a little better. Um, I hope you enjoyed these brief little excerpts, and um, I just wanted to thank Scott also for taking the time out of his day. He had a really busy day that day to uh, chat with me, and it was finally nice to meet someone that I had uh, sort of known already in a very strange way. But again, um, hope you enjoyed and I will talk to you all later.